0: Hey there, welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to over there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you want to be a part of the program, then you can give me a call on the listener hotline. I haven't had any listener calls in a little bit. Uh, Maybe the phone's not working. I should check it out. Well, anyway, the number is 303 832-0217. Eight three two zero two one seven. 217 Last time I checked, it was working, so give it a shot and see what happens. Even just if you hang up. At least I'll know that it's working. I've seen a record number of uh, downloads, though, from uh, different parts of the world, including Canada and Sweden. Now, I understand the Sweden thing, since I talked to Leah Waldenback in the last episode. He's in Finland, and we talked about his driving app called Zootobi. Z-U-T-O-B-I, and all that it can teach you about the rules of the road. It was pretty interesting. So I understand the whole Finland download deal, but Canada, hmm, interesting. I'm I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful for all the listeners around the world that uh, download the show. It, It is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and there are so many things I'm thankful for. Thankful, of course, to all the listeners who keep coming back. For more of this goodness and for the guests who continue to agree to be here on the show with me, one of those guests is going to be world-famous car expert Lauren Fix. I'm going to go into Lauren's bio when I introduce her on the show, but just know that she is an expert in cars and car repair and all things cars. She test drives dozens and dozens of cars every year, so she is an automotive expert and she has been for basically her whole life. You can find out all about her and what she does at laurenfix.com, F I X, laurenfix.com. You can also just do a Google search for car coach and she'll pop right up. And she's everywhere. I mean, you see her on CNN and see her on national programs and uh, all over the internet. So it's uh, nice that she would spend some time with us here. I'm uh, going to hook up with Lauren here in just a minute. To first, talk about. What to do if your car has been sitting for a while? Because there's so many people that have been uh, working from home and their car has just been sitting out there or you're just using it for short trips to the grocery store or uh, the pharmacy or wherever you're going um, and you're not really making any long trips. Well, this is the season where people start making some longer trips, whether it is for a little uh, rest and relaxation, for Thanksgiving. Some people are going to be actually traveling. I've seen quite a bit of uh, travel for Thanksgiving. And in fact, the TSA has seen more travelers passing through airports uh, this past weekend uh, than any other time since the start of the uh, COVID crisis. So people are wanting to travel and uh, get back in their cars. And and there are a lot of people that are driving. So we'll talk about uh, what to do if your car has been sitting for a while and you've just been driving it infrequently. And we'll chat about all kinds of other car stuff. So it should be a good conversation. That should be coming up in just a minute. But first... It's time for you to decide. Yes, I like this game. Here's a game for you. It's called You Make the Call. You decide. Here is the story that I want you to decide on to see if it's true or embellished a bit. I have my feelings, but I want to present it first to you before I give you my inclination of whether it is true or embellished. There's a report now... That a passenger that was uh, flying from here to there—I'm not exactly sure where he's flying—but that this passenger has been banned from Spirit Airlines because he showed a bag hack on TikTok. You've seen the TikTok a- app, maybe, and 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 people are doing uh, TikTok videos all the time. The TikTok user, his name is Rob K. All day, self-identified as just Rob K. On his TikTok adventure to the airport, he used a downloaded version of his digital boarding pass to go onto the airplane. And this there is an 18-second video that shows him editing the section of this downloaded version of the digital boarding pass. And in there, he was editing the section for carry-on bags. And he edited the section to go from zero to one. Therefore, he would be skirting. The charge that Spirit lays on you for bringing a carry on bag because they charge you for carry on bags, they charge you for checking bags, they charge you for everything on Spirit Airlines. It, um, they, they really they give you the very lowest base fare and then they charge you for everything else. And so it was a trick that he was going to use to skirt the parrot carry-on bag fee. But according to him, he says he, he didn't actually do it because he had a small bag, like a backpack that could just fit under the seat in front of you, and that is still allowed at no charge. Now, unfortunately, showing the trick on the video might have been enough to get him banned from flying with Spirit. In a subsequent video, Rob K. shows a letter... That is on Spirit Letterhead, informing him that he is no longer welcome aboard the airline. This is what the letter says. As you know, you created a video on the social media platform TikTok showing how to manipulate a Spirit Airlines boarding pass and fraudulently indicate you paid for a carry-on bag. In light of this egregious misconduct, Spirit Airlines has determined you are no longer permitted to fly with us and have put you on a list for that purpose. Now, Spirit Airlines apparently has not publicly commented on this. However, the letter goes on to read that the carrier will reconsider their decision in two years, assuming that Rob K gives, quote, unequivocal assurances that you will conduct yourself appropriately, unquote. Some people are commenting on this story saying that the guy has faked the letter for publicity and more years users on his TikTok account. Now, now, many say no matter what you do to the digital boarding pass, there is that barcode on there, on the ticket, that will show if you actually purchased the bag or not. So you be the judge. Is this a made-up story by this guy, or is it real? It, it seems to me that there's a little bit of inconsistency in the letter, well, the uh, alleged letter from Spirit Airlines saying that you are no longer permitted to fly with us and put you on a list for that purpose. I don't think an airline would say that. That just doesn't seem, that just seems like a weird sentence to to write. So, you be the judge. Is this a made-up story or or is the guy really banned from uh, Spirit Airlines for showing people how to quote unquote manipulate the baggage uh, fee for Spirit Airlines. It feels to me a bit made because there look people that are trying to get as many uh, followers in their uh, TikTok TikTok account are it's rampant because there there is some money to be made it can be lucrative for some of the content creators. On TikTok, because so many of these videos go viral and and they get uh, money for it. There's endorsement deals and all that, and so it's really amazing how many people are making money on apps like TikTok and still making money on YouTube and all the other social media platforms. It really is amazing how you can be an influencer on these social media platforms and get all this stuff for free. We've talked about we've talked to uh, social media influencers here on this show about just that and and getting stuff for free from travel uh, from hotels and airlines and all these different places. It's really, anyway, uh, ever since the original shutdown in April, we've spent more time than ever at home and the least amount of time on our roads, even with some states asking, and others requiring people to stay home and not to visit for the holidays, there's still going to be people doing what people do, and they're going to do it anyway. There are many of us who haven't driven our cars more than a few miles to the store and back, and that's not great for the car. The question is, are your car's major components ready for a long haul after sitting idle for so long? Joining me now is the car coach, Lauren Fix. Lauren is the automotive expert for Car Coach Reports, the Weather Channel, and Inside Edition. Lauren also hosts regular radio segments on USA Radio's Daybreak Show. She pens the Car Coach column for Newsmax and is editor-in-chief of Car Coach Reports. She's also a co-host of the Total Car Score podcast that you can get on any podcast app. Lauren, thanks for carving out some time on your very busy schedule to be with us here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast.
1: Oh, I love the name of your show, and I, and I actually, anything that's has to do with cars, I'm happy, and I don't think of it as work. I'm sure you feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Before we
0: talk about cars and getting into that stuff,
1: how did you become
0: interested in cars and not just interested in cars but fixing them and maintaining them and and cars in general
1: well i'm from detroit originally actually i was born in dearborn my ah, father I was, uh, me too for... i was born in uh, royal really? oak yep i was born in dear beaumont hospital in yep. dearborn i was born I in, in beaumont Park hospital oh my gosh <laughs> we could have been in the little cribs next to each <laughs> other You're right. um, depending on the year uh but 60 it's funny. Uh, oh, i'm a few years older than you just a touch um, so I was already like getting ready for elementary school, but, uh, pre-K, but, um, my father worked for the big three automakers. He worked at Ford as an engine design engineer and a charter member of the Thunderbird club. So we had a Thunderbird in the garage and then he left there and went to General Motors back when McPherson was there and Duntoff was there. We're talking many years ago and he bought a 56 Corvette and then sold it to buy a 67 Corvette, which he kept until he oh, passed. Cool. And that was that was a really cool car. Springtime yellow, white top, black oh, yeah. interior, 327, 350, like a really nice, balanced car. Uh, and then he went from there to, to Chrysler and he bought a Barracuda, which is the car I learned to drive on a 70 Barracuda convertible. Bright yellow, black top, black interior. My mother drove it. So it's the car you get to learn <laughs> on. Yeah. So when he, on the weekends, I'd go out in the garage and go, what are you doing? And he'd say, I'm bleeding brakes or changing a clutch. He had all these older cars and a boat, and everything always needed something, even if it was a boat trailer. So I'd say, all right, can I help? You know, I wasn't really into dolls, and I was more into being more of a tomboy, which I had to make a lot of changes for television, let me tell you. But um, it's funny, so I just thought it was cool. And my father never told me, you can't do that because you're a girl, or you have to go play with dolls. It was never... He never said anything. He said, you do whatever makes you happy. And I loved it. I like the people, too. I think that's a big part of automotive is our community of people that love cars, are truly passionate, are the best people I've ever worked with. And I've worked in television. I've produced um, shows that have aired some automotive, some non-automotive, and sold them. And those people are just completely different people. They're much more focused on the money, and we're more focused on the camaraderie, the common thing that's between all people that own cars and you could be a street sweeper or a ceo it doesn't make a difference we we like you because you like cars you're one of us right and i that really that really got me excited i my best friends are all car people and because of that that's what my whole life has been it sort of turned on a dime when i started being on uh, motor week and uh one of the producers a friend of mine said you, you know you should be doing uh, dealer training and that led to an opportunity by random accident with Oprah Winfrey show. So I was her automotive expert for many years until the end of the show. Of course, she didn't do too much automotive, but it was more lifestyle, light stuff. And that opened up a ton of doors when CNN opened up and Fox and you name the. Na- I've been on every national news. Like I tell you, I've been on Al Jazeera to rush Limbaugh. <laughs> right. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody needs a car. That's all that matters.
0: <laughs> That's right. And we could talk about people that uh, don't like cars that we can do that later. Um, do you remember oh, yeah. the there are so in detroit my grand my yeah it was my grandfather my mom's father uh jim robbins and he had a uh automotive um company that actually he made seatbelts um and he was really a big deal there in detroit back in the I guess it was the '50s and '60s, um, but he died really? in a plane crash. Yeah, Jim, oh, J- yeah, sorry. Jim Robbins. But this was back in '67 that he, you know he was killed in this plane crash when he was flying from his ranch in I think it was Montana or the Dakotas back to Detroit. But he used to have a landing strip right there in Troy where his, wow. um, uh, where his shot where his building and, and office was. So I didn't know if you knew the name Jim Robbins.
1: I know the name. I also know like Ray Brown because they made mm-hmm. the belts for Shelby. Right. So there's, there's, that was in the days when an entrepreneur is doing them in his garage or some little building. Uh, there's a gentleman in, in the Detroit area named Don Summer who used to do hood ornaments, re- remake hood ornaments, my father, and he started that business. And then we sold out when we moved because I live in Buffalo now, like yeah. you live in Denver. Cool. And uh, it just, you know, you never know where the path is going to take you. So uh, I ended up staying here because I have a manufacturing business here. We make tubing products for automotive and industrial applications. And I had a breaker manufacturing company here I sold uh, back in the late 90s. So yeah. it, it's been a really interesting path, and the people have been the best. That's yeah. one of the best parts of this. biz.
0: Yeah, my uncle still, was. he, he did most of the racing, actually, for the Jim Robbins racing team uh, at Indianapolis and did some other races. Really? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Marshall Robbins used to do a lot of racing. I know
1: Marshall. Yeah, that's my uncle. <laughs> I didn't realize that. He just got his car finished,
0: restored. Right, exactly. That, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was his big deal. <laughs> He'd been looking for that car my for husband a long time. Runs
1: in, yeah, my husband runs in Trans Am, and I run in vintage Trans Am. I just sold my Jaguar, which was Paul Genolozzi's uh, winning uh-huh. car in the green, and that was in 2000. And uh, it just so happens that we can't race because I'm locked down here in New York. Somebody made me an <laughs> offer, and I said, you know, I could always buy another car. You know.
0: There you go. Well, uh, what happens? Let's talk about for the practical people that, that want to get some info on their car. Let's say their car has been sitting for a while when it's just been hanging out, and they really have been driving maybe just to the store and back. What things do they need to do to get it ready if they do want to make a, a little bit longer trip?
1: Well, I know you were saying that your car is sitting. A lot of people are working from home, and this has become like the new normal, I guess. But because of that, you go out to your vehicle and it may not start, especially if it's a vehicle that you drive only randomly. Anyhow, you'll find that the battery takes the biggest toll on the hot weather and the cold weather. It needs a trickle charger. So if your car is going to sit, like I've got a lot of collectibles, so I plug them in on trickle chargers. There's a couple different companies. One of them is Battery Tender. You can buy them online or at an auto parts store. And that gives us a little bit of charge because there's a constant draw on the battery. So when you set your radio station and some of the things that you – the settings that you enjoy – those are all drawing just a little bit of battery power, and eventually it will kill the battery. So, yeah, you have to reset everything once that happens. But if you're having trouble starting your car, the battery the, takes the biggest toll. And then there's all the other safety parts and nine fluids in a car that most people totally forget about. But
0: and if you're not driving your car for very long, you're not really giving the time for the alternator and to, to really regenerate enough electricity in the battery to, to hold it for another long sit.
1: That's true. Uh, So you want to drive it. So if you're going to, if the car starts, and it runs perfectly fine. Don't just take it around the block and park it. Take it for a drive, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Just go out, drive someplace because the idea is that the alternator will keep the charge on the battery. So if you did that, you know, once a month, you'll probably be fine. If you wait six months or, you know, it's a convertible and it's Denver and it's snowing, you're like, I'm not going to drive this thing. Get a trickle charger. It's your best choice
0: and And even though the oil change sticker that they put on your windshield that I immediately take off because for some reason it just bugs me, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> it says every three or five thousand miles, you should get a change and maybe every three months. But let's say I've gone only two thousand miles in six months. Is it worth it to get an oil change now and maybe get the car looked over?
1: No, honestly, and i'll be I'll tell you the truth. The old oil change at three to five thousand miles is regular everyday crude oil. Most new vehicles, you could look at a brand new Honda Civic. They run with these aluminum engine blocks, and they get very hot. They're very fuel efficient, and because of that, they need to have full synthetic oil. You can find out what your vehicle requires is in your owner's manual. I would say 99% of the vehicles that are available today, because of how they operate, uh, you're going to definitely need a full synthetic oil. Don't cut corners. I'll use a blend, or I'll use the old crude oil. It's fine for some vehicles, but pretty much every vehicle I have, including my cars from the 60s, Um, All have full synthetic. Every race car we have runs full synthetic. And I guess it's one of those things that people don't think about. It's a little bit more expensive, but it gives you better lubrication, longer life, better fuel economy. It's better for the environment. And you you don't have to change it as often. Typically between 7,500 and 10,000 miles, but don't assume Look in that book in your glove box because it will be the correct information.
0: Well, the nice thing about my Chevy Volt is that I only have to get it changed every nine months to a year or so, depending on how much I'm using the generator to generate electricity for the car.
1: Right. Now, also keep in mind that, you know, people think, oh, I, you know, I've got an electric vehicle. I don't have any, I don't have any moving parts. You do have moving parts. I know you know that, but your bearings, your bushings. Your brakes, your tires, those all wear the same as they would on any vehicle. So keep in mind that you still have to do some basic maintenance. I know people that buy EVs and plug-ins are like, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, you do. (laughs) When you find yourself stuck in the side of the road with a broken suspension part, you will be very frustrated. So it's important, especially if you're buying like a used Prius. A lot of people buy them because they have really good value. Um, They'll find that they still have to do maintenance. And the batteries are very expensive. Now, you have something that's got a small gasoline engine, but... The Chevy Volt also has the electric side. I think that's probably the best solution, so you're never stuck, and you don't have that range anxiety.
0: Exactly, I, it is. That's one of the reasons I, bu- I bought the car. Well, the first reason I bought it, I thought it was pretty interesting. One, there was very little maintenance on it. And when this was back in 2012 or so, when I got the first one, it was a lease and they thought the the car was selling at $45,000 which was ridiculous. And then yeah. they, they had a lease that they thought it was going to hold its value up to about $38,000. So I got basically got this lease for nothing where they were yes, where, you my, did. My, my payments <laughs> were were basically nothing. And so I thought it was great. And then the the value of the car just dropped off the planet where they, they you couldn't even basically give these things away. Um, And so the next one I bought, it was hail damaged and they just wanted it off the lot. It was a 2014 and this was, it it had been sitting in the lot for about 18 months and they just wanted to get rid of it. So they sold it to me for 20 grand. Um, Wow. Then you get
1: the $7,500 tax credit too, right?
0: And a $3,500 tax credit from the state of Colorado. So my car, free. yeah, my car cost me $11,000
1: wow yeah i know there's a lot of good deals new jersey has that as well you know you can buy like a bmw i3 they can't sell them either and it's a great car but they just can't sell them and because the truth is two percent of cars sold today are plug-in electrics and they're just not that popular uh although people the press you would think the way they talk about it like everybody and their brother has them but the truth is that's not the case uh still with last year's 17.2 million vehicles sold less than two percent were plug-in hybrids so Keep that in mind, you know, you buy what works for your family, for your situation. Everybody's got a different situation. Um, if you're if you're sitting around and you go i only go three miles each way to work or to the grocery store i walk then you don't you're perfectly fine with a plug-in car or, or something but remember those cars that sit also drain yeah so i'm sure you found that with your volt if you let it sit for six months and you get in you're like oh that's a problem yeah
0: but <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but i I've been, I've been driving a lot more than that and i never bought i, I bought it for the economics of the of the car sure. more than than anything else it's, yeah because it's just exactly it was so inexpensive and, and the maintenance is is so low but and, and you made an, a good point earlier that I think still a lot of the vehicle-owning population is hesitant to trust any auto repair shop. Because you said you'd be honest with us, and of course we're we're hoping for that. But mm-hmm. my, my I will. <laughs> my, my wife comes from the thinking that the dealer is going to have the best mechanics,
1: but they that's charge. interesting because it's they, usually the reverse. People yeah, no, don't want to go to the dealers,
0: right? But then she thinks that that's the place that has the best mechanics, and but but obviously they charge more for the the name and uh, mm-hmm. for their shop, right? And, and that's true. And I think that there are so many good independent shops out there. But there are some bad actors as well at the the same time for the independent shops. But there are so many that are run honestly. It's just how do you know which one is going to be an honest shop and which one's not?
1: I can actually give you an answer to a few of those questions. Well, first off, just so you know, for every 100 cars that are sold at your average dealer, only 30 of that 100 go back to the dealer. So 70 of those 100 people go elsewhere. They go to independent chains. They go to your Midas, your Pep Boys, your Goodyear Auto Service. They go elsewhere. And and that includes also the you know, the little guy who's got, you know, I always say nails a shingle up on the wall and he's a, a certified technician. I'm an ASE certified technician as well. Um, and I'm also an SAE engineer, but Society of Automotive Engineers. But um, I tell people the first thing is you could go to the dealer. It's best to go to the dealer for a recall or a technical service bulletin known as a TSB. That is the best place to go without question but if you're saying well i need an oil change for example if it's included go to the dealer and get it for free but make sure they give you what you're supposed to lately i've been getting a lot of uh people say oh the oil is included for free but they didn't tell you it was crude oil and your car requires synthetic and they forget to give you the upsell and you forget to ask and if there's a problem with the engine you're on your own you void the warranty because you're not doing it's like anything if you had your computer and you said it didn't work because you dropped it in your pool yeah well <laughs> that's your fault not mine so so those are the kind of things I tell people, you know, you have to be responsible for expensive items. Like you would, if you had an expensive television, you'd tell people to be careful. Well, the car is like that too. Uh, and you should be taking care of it. And part of the things you can do some of this yourself. You can still change your wiper blades. You can still do your headlights. You can still change your oil. Uh, you can change your brakes. Uh, and then that's something to do with brakes. I don't know. I've worked in the brake business my whole life. It hasn't really changed that much. When you hear a squeal, it's time to change brake pads. And remember, brake pads also go in partnership with rotors. So if you go wherever you go, whether you do it yourself or have it done, brake pads and rotors have to be done as a pair. Uh, people forget about that. And if you want to try it yourself, Goodyear Brakes, uh, you can go to their website. They have a whole how-to. And it's really reasonable to look at and go, oh, I, I can do that. I got a buddy. I'm going to call my buddy Joe. He's going to come over and help me. Or uh, my neighbor just got me yesterday. He says, oh, could you come over and put the brakes on my Honda? I said, sure. You know, Because once you <laughs> learn this stuff, yeah, but once you learn it, you're like, I can do this. How much? I was going to pay two grand. to have it done and It's going to cost me, you know, 1,200 or less. There's a big difference. The other thing is you can buy the parts with many repair shops, not dealers and not chains, but an independent guy. You can ask them, hey, if I bring you the brakes and buy good your brakes, they have bundles. It's a better price. I can save hundreds of dollars. Will you put them on? Most people say, yeah. Big repair shop chains and dealers will not. You have to buy the parts from them because that's where they make the profit, on the service and on the parts. Well, it's just like that with tires, too. You
0: can go to Tire Rack and buy tires and have them shipped to a shop, and then they'll put them on your car for you.
1: (laughs) Yep. I use Tire Rack as well. I think they they have great pricing and everything. Especially, Well, I use a lot of performance tires, so it's a great place to go to get them. But also winter tires, and you're in Denver, I'm in Buffalo, and we're both from Detroit, so we know snow. We live right. snow every day, it seems. Um, but don't forget, if you need winter tires, if you see snow three times a year, winter tires are the way to go. Don't try to cheap be a cheapskate. I buy an extra set of rims, and I just put them in a grass bag and stack them up, and I'll get back to them in the spring. And if you don't have room in your garage, you know, those are things you can either have a friend store them at their place or put them in a, one of those storage facilities that are all over the place. It just makes the most sense. And they don't really wear out when you're
0: not driving on them, but they do lose inflation, especially at this time of year with the colder weather.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For every 10 degrees of outside temperature change, you can lose two to three pounds of air pressure. So in the morning, I was telling people once a month is all you have to do it. It's free. My favorite price. Open the driver's door. Inside is that sticker. That is the correct tire pressure for your vehicle. Get a dial gauge. I hate those stick gauges. They're like a thermometer under the tongue. They're <laughs> ridiculous but you can get digital or dial gauges they're like 10 bucks 15 bucks a piece one is all you need per family check the tire pressure in the morning once a month put it in your phone as a notification and once you do that you'll find you'll get more life out of the tire better fuel economy better handling better safety and i do that with my winter tires as well and and your spare if you have one because not everyone has one these days but you'll see the big there's a big difference and you go wow the car actually handles like it's supposed to you know (laughs) that small factor
0: I'm speaking with Lauren Fix, the car coach, automotive expert, about all kinds of different stuff about your car. Let's go back quickly to that question I asked about finding an honest shop. So, how do I know if if the mechanic or the shop I'm going to is is an honest one?
1: Well, the easiest thing to do is is ask your friends. You know, hey, who do you work with? Do you like this person? But if you you're new to a city or, and you're like, I don't know, I don't know anyone that you know that that I could ask. That's okay. You can find an ASE certified technician. It's a blue and white gear that is outside the shop. ASE is automotive service excellence. You want to look for that. You want to find a master tech. Now I know Pep Boys hires master techs. I know that the dealers use a different type of testing. There's also ASA shops, but any of these shops can help you. And if you just say, I I am not going to drive around looking for shops, just could you help me? Sure. There's a website called Car Advise. C-A-R-A-D-V-I-S-E. Go on that, and you can buy everything right there. You can buy your, let's say you need tires. You can purchase the tires, pick the shop, schedule it, pay for it, hit send, and then you just go to the shops and get it done. That's remarkable. So they do that. Yeah, it's brand new. Uh, it's gotten really popular. I know they started working with USAA so They picked up a lot of military people uh, because, you know, they come back from the service, and they might be new to a new city, and they don't know. Who, who am I going to ask? Yeah. So this allows you to get it done at a fair price and they back it up, which is really important.
0: And that's one thing you don't mess around with is military people, especially after they've, after they've come back from some tours of service. Because um, that, that is, could be the lowest of the low.
1: Well, I, I have to say, you know, they, they protect our country and we got to help them. And they helped us. They put their, their lives on the line. So I'm, yeah. I have a lot of military friends and, and I appreciate the fact that they've done that. And so the thing is just get out there and save the money. Don't don't pay retail. Don't just go anywhere the best thing you can do is find a good technician to do the work for you.
0: You know, there was a time in my life, at least, when I my first car was a 1975 Plymouth Fury that I actually bought from my vice principal. Um, it oh. She charged me $250 for it, but then I had to put $300 into the transmission to get it fixed <laughs> before I could drive it. Um, was it, it
1: Christine? Did it, did it repair itself? No,
0: it, <laughs> it definitely did not. Um, but you could actually look under the hood and at least appear that you were diagnosing some kind of a problem with the engine. You, you, you can't really do that anymore. When you look under the hood of, of these cars right now, you look at it like my Chevy Volt, you look at it and go, there's no way I could get into this thing. Are, are there, are, are the days of some of the self maintenance over on, uh, you said some of the, you could do some brakes and some, some other things, but, but brakes you're you're you have to learn how to bleed the brakes don't you and and put the pads they're on easy do, i did really. it when i was
1: 10 years old if i can wow. do it when i was 10 anybody can do it no i mean it's just a matter of following the directions like i said goodyear brakes has a video and shows you how to do it but what they have done like i review about a thousand cars a year so right now in the driveway i'll be reviewing after we're done talking is a brand new is 300 it's a lexus you pop the hood all you see is this big piece of plastic and it says lexus great so i know what i'm driving but I can't, it basically scares you into saying, right. I can't touch this. It's a piece of plastic. That's all it is for looks. You know, and it looks good in the showroom. So if you took that plastic off, you would see an engine. But there's a lot of computer controls. You can change your own oil. You can change your brake fluid. Again, that's pretty simple stuff to do. Uh, headlights, wiper blades, check your tire pressure. But when you start getting deeper into the computer stuff, you really need to have a technician who's got the correct tooling. Uh, and the, the thing is, it's all computerized now. And there's a shortage of techs, by the way, if you know anyone looking for a job or you're looking to change careers and you're not happy where you are. Look in the auto industry. They're paying premiums for diesel techs. If you've got that experience, any of these um, service writers, there's a lot of positions more than just wrenching on cars. But that's not really what they're doing anymore. They hook up a computer. The computer then tells you, oh, you have, you know, cylinder number three is down and, you know, it needs a compression test and it gives them specific directions on what to do. And it's really neat that this can be done this way. So car repairs are more complicated at the same time they're less complicated. So it, it's sort of, sort of neat. and that's The dealer does have all that. Now we have a uh, right to repair, which uh, the manufacturers did not want to share all the information. But now they have to. Oh, that's, so that's it's interesting. Kind of,
0: yeah. I've had problems with uh, Chevy in the past because they're the only ones that say they have the software to upgrade my Volt um and they want to charge like three or four or five hundred dollars just to download and install some software that would take them an hour and a half um and so it would it's frustrating that i can't go to some other place and say i i want to have this software updated uh can we do it a lot cheaper
1: that's going to be hard software is a tough thing um most of the new cars now have automatic updates so if you're driving the vehicle it'll just download i mean whether you're driving an electric car a hybrid or a regular gas or diesel vehicle um it'll just download no big deal um but when they're starting to charge you for that they also do that i see a lot with some of the german brands oh you want to be updated navigation well you know you can hear it right now and they go well you know <laughs> it's coming it's going to be five six hundred bucks and i don't do that with mine because we all plug in our phones and use apple carplay android auto uh i'm almost positive the volt has it was a very early adapter to that technology but if you need that, just for that. I mean, what software upgrade would there be that would be worth that kind of money? Because you'd you'd have to try and make up that difference if you ever sold it.
0: Right. And I, well, I don't think I'm gonna sell just drive it till it stops running. Um, <laughs> that's the plan right now. What do you think Go for are, it? Yeah. What do you think are some of the most reliable cars out there right now and need the least amount of maintenance?
1: Well, that's a good question and a tough question. I always say and I'm not partial to any brand. I have my own favorite personal brands. Um, I'll just be honest with you from my experience, and I've been doing this over 40 years. uh, I love German cars, love them. And I have three of them right now. Um, But, oh, actually four, I forgot. I have a Porsche also. Um, But the problem is after 50,000 miles, that's when they get expensive because they need work. Uh, Cars that are less expensive are domestic brands and the Japanese brands and the Korean brands. They're more reasonable to build. Parts are readily available um stuff you can do yourself on them and they're pretty easy to work on um so keep that in mind but as far as looking at like i need a vehicle that's reliable i would say it's a tough call i mean if you buy an f-150 you're probably going to be totally fine if you maintain it but everything comes down to maintenance if you do all the basic maintenance and you hear something you fix it you see something or smell something or sense something you got to get it taken care of don't wait on that check engine like just get on it because the longer you wait the more it's going to cost you Otherwise, you're looking at, like, you can't go wrong with Hondas and Toyotas. They last a long time as long as you maintain them. But if you buy a Muse, you don't know what the other guy did. Did they just drive it? Did they change the oil? Do they have copies of records? And that's why it's really careful. You have to be really careful when you buy these vehicles. If it was flood damage, it doesn't make any difference what it is. It's going to be a, a problem car.
0: Yeah, so don't buy anything out of uh, New Orleans or uh, maybe Florida, Northwest Florida for the
1: <laughs> for uh, it's a It's happening of years everywhere. Yet. We've had right. it in New Jersey even. Oh, yeah. Remember we had a... Uh, hurricane sandy go through new york city how many vehicles got flood damage they all sat in a field sure. so salvage yards bought them and then they were supposed to turn them in the insurance company was supposed to put them into carfax so it's about 60 percent of the cars in it it costs money so if you got a field full of cars and you're going oh my gosh x amount of dollars for each one to enter into carfax i'm just going to sell them to a salvage yard salvage yard takes them and they go oh you know what that lexus is in really good shape we could probably air that thing out put a few new parts on it and sell it. And that's exactly what they do. Or they take them to auction. And then we have what's called title washing. They move it to a state like Pennsylvania, Alabama, there's a whole bunch of them around the country where they move it, move the thing and get it retitled. Like, oh, I lost the title. So they'll put a fresh title on it. And there's no way to find it. And because it's title washed, that's why you want to take it to an ASC certified tech. They'll put it up on a the lift. They'll look at the fuse box. They'll They'll know in five seconds. This car has been in a flood. Then you don't want to buy it because there's no warranty at all, not even on rust or protection. You get nothing, huh. no emissions coverage, nothing.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah. you, you over the last couple of weeks, traffic has been a little bit thinned out just because of this this recent spike of of the COVID stuff, but. Before this, traffic has really been coming back, at least around the country in some of the big cities. It's really been coming back pretty strong. There are still some areas, I know, around here that are still down maybe 10, 15, up to 20 percent. But there's a lot of areas that are back at pre-COVID levels of traffic. Are you seeing the same Mm -hmm. thing in Buffalo? And are you seeing the similar uh, traffic pickup around other parts of the country?
1: Yeah, I have a place in New York City. I have a studio there. um, And I had to fly back. And I got to the airport and I missed my flight. There was only one flight a day. So I rented a car. Yeah, it should be easy. No traffic. Oh, my God. The traffic was stop and go till I got out of the city. So Manhattan is, is pretty busy all the time. Even on a Sunday afternoon, we go, oh, there's no one out. No, it's busy. Uh, Florida is pretty much reopened. They're pretty busy as well. I was in the Jacksonville area recently. I know Texas is pretty busy. So any of the states that are pretty much open, they're seeing pretty normal traffic. Uh, But even around, like I live in the suburbs of Buffalo, I'm noticing traffic is getting heavier. And even though we are pretty much in lockdown as well, people still need to go to the grocery store. You want to check on friends. Suddenly you're doing things you weren't doing before. Maybe it's a sport that doesn't, that's not a team sport, but you're going hiking or you're going skiing or whatever it is you're doing. We're seeing more people out and about lately. Um, So note that the traffic is starting to reappear. So make sure your car is in good shape. The Car care council says that nine out of 10 cars have something wrong with them on the road. Just don't be one of those.
0: Right. Well, you were just mentioning New York City. Now, before 2020, mm-hmm. it was one of the most congested cities in America, especially since the de Blasio administration has, has changed a lot of the roadways in Manhattan. And, mm-hmm. and, and and his goal, sometimes he expresses it, sometimes he doesn't, is to make driving more inconvenient to really yes, he does. Yeah, to encourage mm-hmm. people to use transit or get on a bike or to walk. So he's really forcing people to try to get out of their cars. It's, it, it never works as well it as you planned. It went the other way. Yeah. It went the other way. And they, they're going to bring congestion pricing. Through the roof. Right, and yeah. they're going to bring well, congestion pricing in. So, I mean, what what have you seen there yeah. in New York City? How's it working
1: out for them? Okay, first off, on the congestion pricing, that has been postponed. Uh, because the congestion, if you look at like 6th Avenue, you look at like I, just as an example fox news always has behind them the, the street it's empty yeah. because the regular cabs aren't even out and about what you're seeing is people that live in the cities want to get out of the cities and they want to come back to work when they, or their apartments there when they can so used car sales have been through the roof typically across the country about 10 to 15 percent increase because of the lack of new vehicles new vehicle sales are going to come in somewhere around someone said 16 million i because last year was 17 million on new cars i'm thinking it's gonna be somewhere around 15 million by the end of the year but last year just to give an example 41 million cars changed hands that were used vehicles so with that kind of traffic you're seeing that used cars are in high demand dealers are calling people saying hey you're ready to take a car in early on a lease Do you want to sell that vehicle you're not using it but people are buying cars and they're moving out and since i helped a lot of people that's not what i do for a living but i'll help friends um, get cars. I've helped at least a dozen anchors in New York city who call me out of panic on a Sunday, go, I got to get out of here. I got, I I can't, well, riding the subway, has got a lot of issues because you're not controlling it. There's people sleeping on there, defecating and everything else you can imagine on the subways and it's upsetting. So you're not going to use the bus to get the same problem. So that leaves you walking. the the ride share bikes are really hard to get and they're expensive. And so you either own a bike if you can find one because the problem is everyone's buying them or you get a car and get the heck out of Dodge. And that's kind of what they've been doing. Um, Matter of fact, where my place is in the Upper West side, typically you can't get a parking spot. You have to get there six o'clock when everyone's leaving or something. But I talked to a friend of mine who's still there and he's like, if you need a parking spot, still street is empty. I'm like, wow, because you'd never see that. So they've really emptied it. So, at this point, there's less people, which means less taxes, which means they're going to raise their taxes. But I will tell you, although de Blasio thinks everything's going to go electric plug-in, that's the way it's going to go. There's no place to plug in in the whole city. Right. If you want to plug in, you got to go to Brooklyn or New Jersey or way north of the city. So it makes no sense that they can't turn an old city like that into a plug-in electric like they're talking about doing in France and the whole state of California. They're talking about that in Quebec. It's ridiculous. It's a pie in the sky. It all sounds good. I've got tons of documentation to back it up. I will tell you, although it sounds wonderful on the surface, there's too many negative factors besides temperatures. Like in Quebec, they're going to be able to go and drive electric vehicles. I'm like, yeah, do you realize how cold it gets in northern Quebec? You can't start a regular combustion engine or a diesel vehicle because your fluids have frozen your engines like a rock, even with a heated blanket or a plug-in, versus an electric car, which won't even start or have no juice left. As you know, when it gets super cold, the life of your battery is shorter. And if your car's older, older, like a battery on your phone or anything else, it starts to lose its life. Uh, in California, where they're talking about doing it, it makes no sense where there's no charging stations. There's no infrastructure across the country. Um, it depending upon what happens with this presidential uh, whatever is going on right now, um, if they decide to go all EV, the infrastructure would cost more than trillions of dollars to put in. Our grid is too old. So, I mean, why it sounds all great on the surface, you know, it was 2% of people buying cars, you should buy whatever you want. You want gas. You want diesel. You want compressed natural gas. You want to try the new LG gasoline that's coming out. You want to run kerosene. You want to run donuts. Uh, shop oil you should be able to run whatever you want you can do that actually in a diesel vehicle if you add kerosene to it but um there's a lot of neat things you could do but i always tell people just you know get what get what works for your family if you've got i have friends that have five kids if you've got five kids you're not going to get around in a little you know prius you need an suv with three rows So i mean everyone's kind of got their thing uh, but i always tell people you know try to make the choices that are wise and before you make a decision check with your insurance company because you might be shocked um, I've had people say, "Well, I'm going to buy this really great car. It's a real expensive hybrid plug-in. I can afford it, and then, or even a Tesla. And then they go and get the price, and they go, oh, well, geez, I'm just going to get the gasoline powered because <laughs> right. it's going to cost me more in the car payment and in the insurance.' You
0: know? Yeah, the insurance on those cars are crazy. They're really expensive. Yes. And you know, and and the De Blasio administration said this is really all about air pollution and trying to reduce congestion. But it, let's say all, every car was an electric car. He still would want to limit how many people are in in the city. It doesn't matter what kind of car it is. He just won't be honest with you about that.
1: Yeah, New Yorkers, New Yorkers don't operate that way. <laughs> like I said, I I work in New York City, but I'm not a New Yorker. I've lived here most of my life on the other end of the state. But I, I think that you can't tell people like that what to do. You can you can mandate anything you want. That doesn't mean people are going to do it. I mean, hey, look at the masking. They're telling people in California you can't go out. No Thanksgiving. People are leaving the state like crazy. So they're going to do whatever they want. Uh, that's the whole thing about how Americans are. We kind of have uh, a little bit of rebel in us maybe, but, um, I always tell people, you know, although it sounds great that he's going to try and reduce traffic, he's not because the subways are already late all the time. And now they've cut back subway workers. Um, uh, my cousin actually works on Metro North, which goes from the train, uh, North all the way to Albany. And he says there's been like three people on the train. So people are staying home or they're getting in their own vehicles. So they don't have to be exposed to anyone else. And they go wherever it is, they go. And, and I, be I, I think it's
0: still going to be that way, even after everybody has a vaccine. If 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 everybody gets a vaccine, I agree. I, I still think it's going to be much lower attendance on any whether they're trains or buses or any of it.
1: I think so, too. I mean, the last time I was in the city, all I can tell you, it was um, an interesting experience, to put it nicely. <laughs> right. Um. There, and they've had some problems, I guess, just over the weekend, I guess three or four people got pushed into uh, subways, you know, into the into the rails, and there's no one there. There's no security. And to me as a female, I, I won't do that, so I'll walk. Uh, I have a bike in the city, but I ha- actually I haven't been back there since June, and that's probably a good thing. But you know what? It's nothing like getting in your own vehicle, having that freedom, whatever it is you drive. And I always say, if you love your car, it'll love your back, so you got to take care of it. But I'd rather have the freedom to go wherever I want, whenever I want. And trying to take that away from people saying, you can only plug in. You got to go to a station and sit there for four to six hours. Or on Thanksgiving last year, there was a, I don't know if you saw it. There was a line uh, Thanksgiving weekend for Tesla, for Tesla charging station. It was like eight hours of waiting. I'm like, what are you (laughs) supposed to do? I'm not sitting there. That's a day, you know, you know, work in your car. And then sit there at the station waiting for someone to pull away so you can plug yours in and wait another two, three hours? Forget it.
0: Exactly. I no, just that, can't, that, can't that, do it. That's why I like the Volt, because I I could I never have to charge it yeah, ever. It both. And, I, and I charge right. it occasionally, actually. I, I usually use the uh, the generator on the car because it's it's still so efficient. It's great. What, right. It makes sense. What's your feeling as we transition to autonomous cars? I, d- I don't think we're going to see full autonomy for a while. I mean, we're talking... You may never see it. Yeah, like 20 years, 25 years at least. And then then you have to start mixing in human-driven cars and autonomous cars. And you have to figure out – I mean, there are so many issues that I've talked about on the show about autonomy and and crazy uh, scenarios where you might have the car have to decide a la – iRobot, where is, is the car going <laughs> to save you or going to save that bus full of kids? Um, you know, it's what? going to save
1: the bus full of kids instead. And <laughs> that is part of the problem. <laughs> well, it, it's, it doesn't have common sense. You would say, oh, I know exactly what to do. But it doesn't operate that way. And that's the biggest problem. Uh, when you're looking at autonomous cars, you may never see them in our lifetime. You will see the steps toward it, you know, blind spot uh, notifications. You know, active cruise control, so you don't hit the car in front of you. So make cars safer. That technology is there, but it tracks your eyes now. On some of the newer cars, I was just driving the new Genesis. Uh, there was an Acura, a BMW, a Mercedes, and they track your eyes. So if you look away, like you're talking to someone next to you, it'll give you a notification. Oh, do you want to pull over and get a coffee? You look like you're distracted. It's like, wow, like really, I'm having a conversation. So you really need to realize that as these cars become more 1984. They want to know you. Some of the new vehicles, there's not even a key. You get in the car and it you, the key is somewhere on you or you have a card, like, like a credit card on you, and it knows that this is something that you're the person in the car. Um, that's some of the technologies you'll see. Why won't you see autonomous cars? Well, first off, the government hasn't come up with any regulations. They cannot figure out if you want steering wheels or no pedals. I'm not going in an amusement ride on the street with a bunch <laughs> of people who can't drive. So, if I'm not driving, I'm not interested. Um, but that's me. I mean, some people will take that risk. I'm just not in. I'm not into amusement parks. Uh, but on the other side of it, what what other factors? The insurance companies. They they don't want to be involved in this because if there's an accident, whose fault is it? Is it your fault? Is it the software? Is it the car company? You know, did the person override it? So it becomes a lot of problems and the insurance companies that insure insurance companies are called reinsurance companies they don't want this either so they're pushing back and of course they all have lobbyists uh then you look at the other side we have hackers they can get through anything there's still no permanent firewall by any manufacturer not even the federal government that can stop these hackers from accessing the grid and once 5g is up and it's starting to come now that's all that's what you need to do autonomous cars and if they hack your car or the network you're going to have a lot of accidents and one serious accident scares people that one with the volvo that was um it was a test car the guy was behind the wheel mm-hmm. it was um yeah. it was an uber
0: in phoenix a lot I of think. People
1: not to be, yeah a lot of people weren't interested after that they're like you killed a person you know that's that's definitely not the way we want to go and then if you look from a different direction it's like well, what else well how about the weather you live in denver i live in buffalo you go to work it's a beautiful day it's gorgeous you come out and there's two feet of snow on your car is a car going to tell you, I'm sorry, you cannot go anywhere today. I'm, you know, the roads are unsafe. I'll make that determination. I don't need a computer telling me I can't get to an emergency room for, if you've got someone else to go or what are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? What if you have to get somewhere, whatever it may be? And the car says, I'm sorry. I feel that the roads are unsafe based on my computer calculations. It reminds me of, um, I'm trying to think, is it 2001, A Space Odyssey when Hal wouldn't open the uh-huh. bay doors? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. And then consumers have to want it. So those five factors are big factors that are going to cause uh, autonomous cars most likely not to be here either either ever or 20 years from now. They can do it. They can do it today if everybody switched, but not everyone's going to switch.
0: Well, you look at the Teslas, and they're doing some autonomy obviously some people are driving yeah, it autonomous. right but they they still are, are coming out of a parking space and then picking you up so you're not walking in a little puddle um some people are driving them obviously on the highway you've seen the videos uh, mm-hmm. autonomously when they should be and they're falling asleep um uh, that's not very safe but so so yeah. i think there are the the teslas out there that, that want to push it forward but the rest of us as you were saying are still uh, very leery of this technology
1: right right and i always say to people you know although it sounds great there are five levels of autonomy you know there's zero there's still cars there are zero autonomy they just have like anti-lock brakes and that's it but as you work your way up and you look at today's technology and like the newest coolest thing whether it's a mercedes or a tesla or whatever nobody is beyond level three right now level three means uh ford has it. their co-pilot 360. you can get it in their Lincolns. you can get it in their ford pickup trucks uh nissan has it so everyone's got their own name for the same thing so basically you have to have your hands near the steering wheel and you can take your hands off for a short period of time you gotta grab a cup of coffee maybe you gotta blow your nose or something but note that it's not for long term it's not meant to go on off ramps I mean I know Cadillac has super cruise you can put on the turn signal it'll get in the lane but you it'll say put your hands on the wheel and the thing with Tesla is he's always sold it as autopilot don't do anything just sleep in the back seat so dangerous many people have died uh, in some countries he's not even allowed to call it that so because or, or not even offer it depending upon the country so you have to keep in mind though it sounds great on the surface and he's the he's the biggest hype master I've ever met so you oh, know yeah. he's P.T. Barnum at
0: best. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you mentioned five G, and I think five G is going to help change the world of vehicles and get them connected to each other. Which not, yeah. not not as not necessarily great. However, that's the technology that's coming now. It's not everywhere yet, but I do think that five G has the ability to do two things: one, make cars pretty cool because they're going to be connected in real time with low latency latency. Uh, two, uh, you know, connected to. Stoplights and other cars and car to to car, right? Exactly, all that stuff. But also, it's going to make the car companies say, "Well, if you want to have that uh, feature on your car, if you want to have the backup camera, yeah, we can do it, but it'll Mm -hmm. be five dollars a month. And if you want this feature in your car where you can get the uh, the uh, internet radio, that's going to be another seven dollars a month."
1: Exactly, and that's where you're seeing a lot of uh, additional fees. The other part of it, I find interesting is you know you talk about all this great 5g some countries in some cities are having a lot of trouble with it uh birds dropping out of the air there, there has to be substantially more towers we don't know if there's a health impact to people uh because it does put out uh, magnetic fields. so this depending upon who you are and what, what you believe and what you want to digest i at least try to let you know and you make your own decisions um but it's something a lot of people don't want i don't want the car telling me to stop and recently, I've been getting a lot of new cars. It was, I was what it was. Something recently, I was put it in reverse, and I have a row of trees, and I always start my reviews in the exact same spot in my driveway because I have this beautiful hedgerow. Well, it thought it was something else, and it slammed on the brakes for me. I'm like, I know what I'm doing, and you can't override it. Hmm. I, I needed to back up two more inches, and I couldn't. So I had to, you know, to try and get around it, but it, it's very interesting how it becomes big brother. So you have to decide how much of that do you want. So I think used cars are still going to have a pretty good, strong value. People keep them 14 years now. It used to be 12. It's now, It was 10, then it was 12. Now it's 14. So I, I think that people are like, I don't think I need this new technology. Well,
0: their cars are built now. Well, they were 10 and 12 and 15 years ago to last longer. They're not like your 1970 or my 75 Plymouth Fury. that Actually, was yeah. a pretty decent car, but it, I knew yeah. it wasn't going to last forever. Uh, but I think the cars are just built generally better now, so you can keep them for longer.
1: I agree. I, I think that cars are built much better. And, and I think like, I've got friends with cars from the 50s, 60s. So I have cars of the 60s, yeah. and they last a long time. And I think the reason that they do is because people take care of them. If the car's been taken care of and it's never had any issues, or at least call them lemon cars or Friday, Monday cars, I'm dating myself for knowing that. But if you had one of those, then yeah, that car's going to be a pain and will eventually find itself in a salvage yard or parts of something else. But I, I think that consumers are starting to get well aware of the fact that this is. Um. good. It's good to have car choices. It's good to be able to keep your car longer if you want. Just take care of it. Change the oil.
0: Well, Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, I've kept you way longer than uh, I uh, but I've, I've had a great time listening to uh, and having a great time with this conversation. So yeah. um, if people want to get more information from you and about what you do and any more tips that they might want to get is uh,
1: what's your website and
0: where can they do that?
1: You can go to laurenfix.com uh is my personal set which turns into car coach reports uh you can follow me on all forms of social media at lauren fix i'm always putting up new stuff i've got new car reviews i'm putting out about three to four of them a week and every friday i put out a i used to call it the four minute friday because it's always longer than four minutes now but it's a news tip segment uh knowledge is power you get your car smarts and we talked about brakes in the past, and we've talked about getting the best deals and new incentives and where to get the best deals, how to get the best prices, and that's all on my website. We also have a Spanish component of our website. We have two uh, journalists, uh, Javier Mota and Al Vasquez, who bring us uh, some great information in Spanish for those people that want to hear that. And if you want to know more about the brakes that we talked about, you can go to goodyearbreaks.com, and I'm always looking forward to talk cars with you anytime.
0: And isn't he one of your uh, co-hosts there on your podcast?
1: Uh yes, Javier Mota is 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 on my site, and Carl Brower. He used to be at Kelly Blue Book. He now works for i c cars, and he does supply some content for us as well,
0: yeah, the total car score podcast. How do you like doing that show?
1: I love it. You know, we started during Covid because we're all good friends. We're all members of the North American Car and Truck of the Year jury. and um because we get to call the the best car truck and SUV of the year. And we just started like there's a whole bunch of us We kind of got talking. and I said, you know, we should do something. and know, uh, Javier knows the people at Revolver Podcasts, and the podcast took off. We had no idea. After doing a dozen of them, some of them were like, this is this is fun. This yeah. is great. You know, we <laughs> talk about what we do, and we all love cars, and we all have different perspectives, which is nice.
0: Well, fantastic. So it's fun. Lauren, yeah. thank you so much for being here, sharing your expertise, your experience with us. Uh, I'll, I'll wish you all the best, and uh, good luck with thank all the new car way. reviews that uh, you have coming
1: up. Well, thank you. You too. I love the name of your your podcast. It's awesome.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. See, there's the reason right there that you call her the car coach. Uh, She knows everything about cars. Again, if you want to find out anything about Lauren, you can go to her website, LaurenFix.com, F-I-X. Just search car coach on Google. And boom, you'll see all of her stuff there. Uh, you can read our articles. You can read her reviews of uh, different cars that she's testing. Uh, you can see all of her different segments that she's out there doing. So she's quite the busy person. And uh, thanks again, Lauren, for uh, coming here on the show. It's great. Thank you. I um and she uh she was rock. I mean just it was great. <laughs> it was so great. What interesting thing about Buffalo though uh, is that they have this interstate highway spur. That's actually a spur from a spur. You don't see it very often. So they have I-90 that goes through Buffalo. They also have 290 that is a well, almost a c- circle around Buffalo. Uh, but then they have this little spur of I-990 that comes off of 290 that's a spur off of I-90. And it, it's not a very long little piece. It's a r- little piece of interstate that just comes up to the northeast side of the city, curves a couple of times, and then just dead ends. So it comes off of 290 and then just... Uh, stops at a different highway. Um, And so it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's the one one of the cool things there, I guess, of Buffalo. I've been through there once after I saw Niagara Falls, but this was like 30 years ago when I took this uh, trip after my first year of college. And I drove my younger brother's car uh, up through Nashville and Chicago, saw my uh, younger brother when he was uh, going to the Great Lakes Naval Academy, and then drove through Detroit, Toronto, uh, went through Niagara Falls, Buffalo, Boston. Saw some uh, friends there in Boston. Uh, went through New York City and Washington D.C., and then drove all the way back to Atlanta. That was a that was a good trip. And I and I was just sleeping in the car, staying. The, I would uh, park in a hotel uh, parking lot and then just sleep in the car, um, and then just go to a, a gas station or a a uh, uh, fast food restaurant, and then just wash up there. It, it, people do that. I, I it, but then again, this was like 30 years ago. I remember this one time I was parked in this parking. I think it was in New Jersey, and I'm parked in this uh, in this space. And here comes somebody. It's like six o'clock in the morning, and somebody parks, and and they kept blasting Millie Vanilli. There was that one Millie Vanilli song. And and it kept playing over and over and over again. I could not go back to sleep. I had to wake up, (laughs) drive out of there, and then just, all right, this is it. I I guess I'm not sleeping anymore now because of your Milli Vanilli. (laughs) It was... Oh, man, I'll never forget that. All right, it is Thanksgiving week, so thanks again for uh, for all that uh, all the listeners that, are, that keep checking in. I appreciate all the comments that you send my way and for all the downloads, of course. If you want to reach the show, you can always do that on uh, the uh, phone number, 303-832-0217. And you can, of course, send me an email at podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.